All right, well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. When I read it, I'm going to be reading it from the New King James Version. But as always, you can follow along on the screens or in whatever translation you have before you this morning. Could I ask you to stand one more time as we pray? Uh, for whatever the Lord has for us today. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, uh, Lord, we thank you for what you've already done uh, during our worship service. Uh, we praise you, Lord, for uh, seeing Jason, Lord, through his time of grief and continued grief with, uh, with his dad. Lord, we thank you that he's here to lead us. Uh, we thank you for your presence, O oh God, and for your, for your love and your blessings during our testimony time. We pray, God, uh, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, God, uh, to receive whatever you have for us this morning, and that, Lord, we would be willing to be encouraged and challenged in our faith, that we would continually grow in our faith. And so God, touch every life. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So we are wrapping it up uh, this morning. We, a couple of weeks ago, we started a new series called Exploring Faith. And uh, we said that faith is really a subject that we hear a lot of. Uh, but that it's an important subject in the life of a follower of Christ, and it never grows old. Uh, we have said many times already that because, of, because faith is the currency of heaven, and God responds to faith every single time. Like we've said, if you want to see God move, have faith. And if you need God to intervene in a situation, ask God for help and then exercise your faith. Or if you want to be used by God uh, in anything in life or in ministry, go ahead and begin to grow in your faith. Now, listen, the first week, our focus was on a, a, a Gentile woman whose daughter was severely possessed by a demon. And as a mother, we saw that she clearly wanted Jesus Christ to help her child and who, what parent would not, right? And we know that her desire was expressed by a, a faith that God favors. We basically learned that this woman, through this woman, that God favors a faith that is desperate for his help. And we've asked this before, how many of you have been desperate for God's help? Anybody? Amen? And so uh, God also favors a faith that is determined to get God's response and a faith that's distinguished by God's approval. Last week, we, our focus was uh, on the faith of four men that were bold in their faith. Amen. We said that these guys had a friend who had been paralyzed for years. And so they knew that his only hope to ever, ever walk again was to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. How many of you have been in that place where you, it's got to be Jesus or nothing? Jesus is the only one who can come through for me in this. I've tried other things. Everything else has failed. Jesus is the only one. And so for this man, that's what it was. Jesus needed to, to do the work. Jesus needed to perform the miracle. In fact, we said that these men, they must have heard Jesus talk about himself and so that made them bold in their faith and so like how Jesus said that the son of man had come to seek and to save that which was lost how many of you were lost and Jesus found you hallelujah or how Jesus said that the shepherd would leave the 99 in the pen and actually go out and find that one that was lost or how he said that he was the physician and that he had come for the sick rather than the well and so I'm sure that throughout his teaching 
In those early days especially, Jesus repeatedly made the point that it is the needy, it is the broken, it is the hurting, it is desperate people that were the very ones that Jesus had come into this world to touch. And so these men were crazy enough to actually believe Jesus. They were crazy enough in their faith. And so that faith actually caused them to overcome the obstacle of the crowd that they saw at a distance. And, and so as they were carrying their friend, there was all of these people amassed in the house and outside the house. And they just, they could have, we said at that point, they could have turned around. They could have gone back. They could have uh, changed their minds. And, but they were determined that their friend had to see Jesus. And so they overcame the obstacle of the crowd that was in their way and they, they went on to carry their friend onto where? Anybody remember? Where did they carry him? Onto the roof. They carried their friend onto the roof of the house where they proceeded to cut a roof, cut, cut the roof and to lower their friend down into the house. The Bible says that at that point, what? Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. In fact, we said that Jesus saw uh, four men who cared. He saw four men who wanted to share Christ. He saw four men who wouldn't give up. Remember, these four men had heard that Jesus was in the house. Jesus was in the house. Amen? When Jesus is in the house, great things happen. Amen? Amen. When Jesus is in the house, miracles happen. In fact, the possibilities are endless when Jesus is in the house. These guys, these guys were not going to let this opportunity pass without getting their friend to actually see Jesus. And, and so when they saw that crowd that was an obstacle, they used their compassion to get, to get past it. And it caused them to climb up on that roof and to rip it open so that they could share Jesus with their friend. We, remember, we said that faith and caring go hand in hand, right? And sharing Jesus through any obstacle, while at the same time dealing with the cost of getting their friend and audience with, with Jesus, is exactly what caught their attention. Listen, it cost them time on that day. It cost them possibly their reputation. All right, here they were carrying this paralytic and all of a sudden they go up on the roof and they're not just hanging out on the roof like people did in those days. They busted through the roof and so there was going to be a roof to repair. There, were, there was going to be some apologies to be made because down below the roof, who was down there? People, Jesus, all down below and, and all of this stuff is falling down and so it was going to cost them something and yet they were willing to pay the price. Listen, we said that faith is action, right? Faith is not just in believing that God can, it is knowing that he will. And faith is, faith is deaf to doubt. It is dumb to discouragement. It is blind to impossibilities. And, and faith knows nothing but success that is found in God every single time. Walking by faith means being prepared to trust when we are not permitted to see. Faith allows God to do for us and with us what we could never do on our own. Jesus saw their faith, and our challenge to you was, does Jesus see faith in your life? I hope he does. I want to pick up, uh, and again, to close out this series in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. We're going to read it fully, right? So verse 1 says, Now when he, speaking of Jesus, 
concluded all of his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And so when he heard about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews, a centurion sent the elders of the Jews. I hope you're not just reading over that. There's a lot there. He didn't send his own servants. He sent the, the, the elders of the Jews to Jesus, pleading with Jesus to come and to heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built a, has built a synagogue. We're going to talk about that. And then Jesus went with them, the elders, and when, when he was already not far from the house, the centurion, then he, he sent friends to Jesus, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy that you should even be under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. I want you to pick up on that. He was saying, say the word. All you have to do is say the word. So there's power in the word of Jesus. Amen. There's life in the word of Jesus. There is wonder-working power in the name of Jesus. And this centurion, he recognized it. He recognized it. And so he goes on to say, I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And so when Jesus heard these things, he marveled. He marveled at them. He turned around and he said to the crowd that followed, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Say great faith. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found that the servant, found the servant well who had been sick. The first thing I want you to note is that only twice in all of Scripture was Jesus ever said to have marveled or to be amazed. That's, that's key. And so if you're wanting something that stands out, we know that, that in verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. The other time when it was when Jesus began his public ministry in, the hometown, in his hometown of Nazareth. We know that he was rejected by his fellow Jews, where it says he was amazed, marveled at their lack of faith. Here the centurion had a faith that was real. And, and, it, and it was more sensitive than anything Jesus had ever witnessed in all of Israel. I mean, what could be more horrible than to amaze or to marvel the Son of God with one's lack of faith, like the people in Nazareth did? And what could be more thrilling than to amaze him with one's great faith? This centurion, he had great faith. And so I want to look at the characteristics that made the centurion's faith so great. Amen. So that we can live it and mimic it. And number one, his great faith, speaking of the, uh, the centurion, his great faith caused him to love across all barriers. 
His great faith caused him to love across all barriers. Again, let's go to verse 1 where it says, Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Listen, Jesus has just completed the teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. That's the context. This is where we're at. He had just completed the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is entering into Capernaum, a city in the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. While Jesus is in Capernaum, he is approached by the representatives of a Roman centurion. No, no, listen, centurions were commonplace in the Roman Empire. They were equivalent in rank to a, a modern-day army captain, or, or normally they were in command of about 100 soldiers. And this particular centurion had a servant who was ill. In Matthew's Gospel, even, the account of this incident, it uses the term pays, which means a young child. So his young servant child was sick. And so whoever this young man was, Luke, the writer of this Gospel, uh, we know that he was a doctor, and he said that the servant, this young servant, was sick and ready to die. If you've ever held on for a loved one who was at death's door, and you felt that he or she was slowly losing their battle, you might know what the centurion in that moment was feeling. The emotions that would flood you when you see someone who is maybe gasping for air or, or who you knew to be full of life and, and just experiencing all that God had for them and, and all of a sudden they are helpless and, and the situation seems hopeless and there's the kind of, even for the person, a helplessness of, of wanting to do something, in fact, anything to help that loved one, anything that they could do, but not knowing what they could actually do to help. We're told that the centurion man, he, he loved Israel. And though it was not the land of his birth, it's also evident that this man cared deeply about his young servant. That was very much out of the ordinary, especially socially. In fact, his concern, it crossed racial and ethnic barriers when he as a Gentile helped uh, uh, appeal to a Jew for help. This was a big deal. This man loved people first. Not, not just people that, that were like himself, people in general. He loved them out of the ordinary. This, this is going against all kinds of standards of the day. Jews and Gentiles had nothing in common. Many times the Jews were held, held a, a lower station in life, and so Gentiles, they often took advantage of the Jews, and, and they looked down upon the Jews, and, and yet hearing that Jesus was in the area, the centurion decides to risk his very own reputation by going to a Jew for help. Faith caused him to, love, to, to cross all barriers. Faith uh, that caused him to love people in general. And we know that he, Jesus actually thought that his faith was great. I mean, what barriers is our faith causing us in our love to cross? I mean, there are everyday economic barriers that we see. Uh, do we only minister to the rich or those like us? Or are we willing to go into some places and minister to some people who are of lowly estate? Some people who don't look like us, are we willing to minister to uh, in areas where we are socially challenged or racially challenged? Uh, we know that sometimes youth culture is nothing like us. Some of us, we got to admit it, we're old. 
We don't get it. We don't relate. But will your love and will your faith cause you to cross those barriers? Will everyday sin? Because let me tell you, this is a big one, right? Because we, you know, we have, you know, I'm just going to say it. We have trouble with people whose sin is different than ours. We do. We don't like to admit that. It's not like, you know, Pastor Freddie, we're all sinners saved by grace. But that person... That person's been on crack for 20 years. That person has robbed. That person has hurt people. That person has crossed the line. We couldn't reach them. Jesus couldn't have a place in the kingdom for them. And so all of a sudden we have to deal with our own bias, with our own thing that we, I mean, we have to deal with it. We have to come to terms with it or make excuses. It's okay. Somebody else will reach them. God understands my heart. Oh, you mean your racially divisive heart? Oh, my goodness, Pastor Freddie. How could you say that? There's not a, a racial, uh, you know, bone in my body. I wonder. I wonder. Jesus is the answer for any barrier. He gives us the faith to love across those barriers like the centurion did on that day. That's something that you and I need to cling to. God help us to love people so much more than, so that we are compelled to share Jesus no matter what they look like, no matter where they live, no matter what their status or their reputation is, that you might be the person that will actually reach that one that everyone else has rejected. But because you obey God on that one day, that one person, everybody knows, everybody knows that that person has a reputation, but Jesus is able to use you to cross those lines if you have love and faith. Amen? Secondly, the centurion's great faith, it caused him to be excited and active in the work of God. You, anybody, anybody ever meet someone who's excited Man, they're just so excited. Sometimes we want to calm them down. Sometimes they're like, they, they can't stop talking. They're, they're just uh, so excited. Let's be careful. We don't want to dampen their spirit. We don't want to dampen what God is doing in their life. And so this centurion, he was excited. He was active in the work of God. Go to verse 3. So when he heard about Jesus, the centurion, when he heard about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews to Jesus. A centurion, a Roman centurion sent the elders of the Jews to Jesus, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one, the one for whom he should do this was deserving. All right, this is a good centurion, in other words, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Have you ever picked up on that? The Roman centurion loves our nation. The Roman centurion has built us a synagogue. Listen, we need to understand that the Jewish elders had little to no love for, Roman, for, for, for Romans in general and Roman soldiers in particular. And so this man must have been very unique for the elders to be willing to approach Jesus on his behalf. So the Jews, they came at his request. This centurion said, go, talk to Jesus, tell them about my... And they were willing to go. Listen, the elders not only bring the man's request, but they vouch for their Gentile friend. This is not ordinary. 
They argue that the Gentile centurion is a man of integrity and he was liked well by Jews and he was worthy of Jesus' help. Verse 5 said, The elders, when they approached Jesus, had said, For he loves our nation and has built a synagogue for us. And so this man had, had given substantially to the building of a Jewish house of worship. Now listen, Gentile worshipers were barred from the holy temple in Jerusalem, but not so with the local synagogue. The synagogue was a place where even a Gentile could come and listen to the word of God being taught. And so in, the, in a time and in a place where this centurion lived, the major way that God was using it was to spread the light through the synagogue system. And God was using the Jews to reach the Gentiles, even in that time. And, but this centurion, he, we know that he used his money. He used his reputation and his influence to build a synagogue. This centurion consciously and deliberately chose to participate in Jewish worship by helping them. He loved God's people and enthusiastically involved himself in what was most apparent that God was doing. See, his great faith caused him to be excited and active in the work of God. Now listen, some of you, you know my story. You know my story. I look back at the abuse and the addiction in my family history and I thank God for salvation in my life every single day. And so listen, when I got saved, I made a growing commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him with my life. And I would say it is the very least I can do to serve him. It is the very least I can do to obey him. I just committed to becoming a deeply devoted follower of Christ. And because of what Christ did for me, I'm excited and active even today in the work of God. I believe that many of you can say the same thing. Where, where were you when he found you? What was your life like? What did he bring you out of? What have you seen in your life as far as blessing and favor and love, unconditional love, that even when you were uh, down and out and even maybe when you started to, to kind of go the wrong direction, his love reached you right where you were at. And so today you can be excited because of the grace of God. Today you can be excited that when you messed up, he didn't throw you away. He loves you unconditionally. You have a reason to be excited. You have a reason to be active. That should be our model and, and we should have that same kind of great faith. And listen, number three, the centurion's great faith caused him to approach Christ in humility. His great faith caused him to approach Christ in humility. So listen, now we're impressed not only with this man's great love, but also his great humility. This passage reveals two essential components of the Christian faith. And those are an understanding of who Christ is and an understanding of who we are in Christ. In verse 6, go there. Go to verse 6. We find then, the scripture says, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, from the centurion's house, the centurion sent friends to Jesus, saying to Jesus, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Verse 7, therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. Listen, before Jesus could even reach his house, 
the centurion sent a, a second representative to Jesus, a friend, to tell him that it was not necessary for Jesus to physically come into the house to perform the miracle. He recognized Jesus as Lord, but he recognized Jesus as master. And because he was familiar with Jewish religious customs, he did not wish to put Jesus in a position of having to enter the house of a Gentile and causing a stir or a rumor. And so this Roman soldier, a man of considerable influence and power, was also uniquely humble. He regarded himself as undeserving of having Jesus come under his roof and he even felt unworthy of meeting Jesus in the street. This soldier, unlike the Pharisees, does not ask Jesus for a sign first. To ask him who he was or what he stood for. This man doesn't even ask to meet him. And so his great faith caused him to approach Christ in humility. Listen, humility is something we need to learn. I think that sometimes there's a balance, right, between that boldness and that humility that we should have, you know. We should daily be reminded that God is God and we are not. He is the Savior and we are sinners saved by grace. As servants of God, we are not greater than the Master. So we should approach Him, like I said, in that balance of boldness and humility. I get offended sometimes at Christians who demand God do something. Again, we, we want to be in the faith and we want to, but it's like we, we don't strike deals with God. And we don't make God do anything. Be very careful. Again, people of faith, sometimes we cross the line. We get a little disrespectful. We get a little bit of ornery on ourselves. Like, you know, there's something about us. I'm a child of the king. And so sometimes we act a little greater than we are ourselves. We got to remember, listen, that apart from the grace of God, we are down, we are broken, we are lowly, we are messed up, we are lost, we are in need of a Savior. Thank God for His saving grace. Hallelujah. This Roman soldier, he, he, the centurion, he showed us. He showed us. We, we, listen, we're sons and daughters of God, but without Him we are nothing. And we need to be reminded of that. Finally, Jesus considered the centurion's faith Great, because it caused them to be willing to trust in Christ alone. It caused them to be willing. So go to verse 7. Remember, he said to Jesus in verse 7, but say the word. Say, say the word. Say the word and my servant will be healed. There's so much there. I can just hang out there because we have a lot of words. Say the word and my servant will be healed. You have a lot of words, Old Testament and New Testament. You have a lot of words. You have a lot of promises. God, if you'll only make me a promise. God, if you'll only do this, then I'll do that. God, well, God has spoken a lot of words. This centurion is saying, say the word, then my servant will be healed. For I am, I am a, a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my, my servant, do this, and he does it. Then, the, listen, the centurion apparently realized the one who had the power of life and death that he could heal with his word, and therefore he must be God. And if Jesus is God, 
then he as a Gentile sinner was unworthy to meet him and respectfully he kneels behind, beneath, before his divine authority and so all Jesus needs to say is the word. He believes it's as good as done. There's no evidence that this man ever personally heard Jesus preach and yet he believed. He made his request based on what he had heard of Jesus and Jesus promised a special blessing on people just like him. Remember when Jesus appeared to Thomas and removed all of his doubts and he proved that he had risen from the dead when he said to Thomas, blessed are they that have not seen and yet they believe. That blessing now extends to the centurion, to every follower of Christ today, backwards and forwards. The, the word also in verse eight, we see that the officer saw a parallel between, between the way he commanded his soldiers and the way Jesus commanded diseases. If the Roman soldier with very little spiritual instruction had that kind of faith in the word of God, how much greater should your faith be? Again, God has spoken a lot of words and yet we doubt and yet we wonder. God, my, my unsaved loved one, they've been unsaved for so long. Uh, Lord, don't you love them? Don't you care for them? He's not willing that any should perish. He's spoken the word. Some of you, you, you know, you, you doubt that because you haven't seen it happen yet, and yet God has spoken the word. Are you believing the word? Are you standing on the word? Are you walking in the word? Listen, if this Roman soldier had that kind of faith in the word of God, how much more should you and I have faith in the words of Christ? In verse 9, we see the reaction of Jesus. I love this. When Jesus heard these things, he did what? He marveled. He was amazed. Turned around and said to the crowd, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in all of Israel. This man's words, they amazed Jesus. He marveled at the Roman centurion, uh, worship team come. This Roman centurion whose background and circumstances should have made it difficult for him to have faith. And yet in spite of all the circumstances, all that went against him, here stood a man who was a striking example of faith. And listen, I love this. Almost like an afterthought, Luke adds in verse 10. Oh, and by the way, those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. He said the word. He spoke the word. And it was done. Stand to your feet this morning. Jesus has spoken his word to us. He has made promises. He is there. He is still there. He stands behind every single promise. The reality is today you and I can have great faith in our lives. I, I mean, I know, I know some people that think great faith is the ability to do miracles. But Jesus can do miracles anytime. Remember, he's God. But great faith is something that we all have. Like the centurion, it should, it should cause us to love across barriers. It should cause us to be excited and active in the work of God and our great faith should cause us to approach Christ in humility and be willing to trust in Christ and in Christ alone.
Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I know that we can get caught up in the circumstances and the challenges that we face. I know that sometimes we look at other people's lives and, and we see your blessing upon them and it just seems like life is going so good for them. And we think ourselves robbed of blessing or we think ourselves of less than because things aren't going so well for us. And yet this morning, Lord, your promises are yes and amen. You have spoken your word and it is your desire, Lord, to touch us, to minister to us, Lord, to raise us up above our circumstances that we might know that you have spoken and that your word is true. And so God, this morning, we just begin to thank you for your promises. Would you do that with me this morning? Just begin to thank God where you are for, for his promises are yes and amen for his, his promises in your life. God, we thank you for faith that is being developed. We thank you, Lord, that even when our faith wanes, that you are there to remind us that all it takes is faith as a mustard seed. Tiny faith. And that tiny faith can move mountains. Fa Father, help us to trust you. Father, help us to know that you have spoken. And because you have spoken, we will follow. We will follow. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing great faith. Develop great faith in us. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Let's close in worship.